You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. We are in part two of our series, Possessing the Promise. Uh, We're looking at some key elements of the story of Joshua. And last week we were in Joshua chapter one. If you didn't catch that uh, message in person, you can find that on the podcast. And we are going to be in Joshua chapter three tonight. So we're looking at the moments uh, last week and this week that are these moments that really just happened right after the death of Moses, that the mantle of leadership is handed to Joshua. And um, a, a quick side note here is that we're going from chapter one to chapter three, and chapter two has this incredible story of Rahab, um, this this prostitute in the city of Jericho who actually ends up hiding and saving the lives of some Israelite spies. It actually serves a huge purpose throughout the story of Israel. So, so if you have the time, I would highly, highly encourage you to check out Joshua chapter two. But we're just talking about um, this possession of the promise of the promised land, and uh, so I, I just wanted to jump ahead to chapter three because we're only going to be in this series uh, for these three weeks. So Joshua chapter three verses one through four is where we're going to start. It says this, it says, Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all of the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a hundred, about a thousand yards between yourselves and the Ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Uh, the, the first thing that I just want to talk about is that we get the opportunity to follow. We get to follow. The short passage speaks to a couple important truths. One is that we get to follow the presence of God himself. The, the Israelites, uh, they got to follow the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the, the presence of God dwelt for them. And they got to follow the presence of God. Literally speaking, uh, it went out in front of them. And it was this incredibly holy thing, and they got to, to observe it, and they got to follow it. And the imagery here is beautiful because it's this really tangible way to see that as people, we are called to go where God leads. That if we have submitted and surrendered our lives to Jesus, we are called to go where God leads. I think that so often we want to chart our own course, but we need to take the time to step back and see where God is taking us, not where we want to take ourselves, not how we want to, to you know, create our own path and see it would be much easier to do it this way or this would take less time, but that we would step back and see where God's taking us and just be willing to follow him. Also, we need to acknowledge that there just are places that we haven't been yet, that the command comes with a, a for you haven't traveled this way before. You haven't traveled this way before. It's going to be incredibly true of our lives in many seasons. We just haven't done everything yet. We haven't gone everywhere. It's really interesting. If you look at the story of Israel and you look at these 40 years of, of wandering, they really didn't cover that much ground. They're really just kind of in the same area for four decades. So they covered a ton of ground, and yet, yet the command still is really clear. You haven't traveled this way before. So go ahead and make sure that you follow the ark, follow the presence of God. We get the opportunity to just wing it and do our own thing or follow the one who knows every path. And I would venture to say that it's always going to work out better if we follow the one who knows every path. Verses 5 through 6 goes on to say this, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priests, Carry the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. The next point is this, is that when instructed... We will get to lead. That when instructed part is really important. When instructed, we will get to lead. 
The Levites carried the presence of God with them as they went. That is just like an incredible opportunity, an incredible privilege for them to carry the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Like they got to carry the literal presence of God with them ahead of the people. But what we need to understand is that because of Jesus, those of us who have surrendered to his lordship over our lives now carry the presence of God with us wherever we go. And we don't carry a vessel, we now get to be the vessel. The Levitical priest got to carry a vessel with the presence of God. Now we get to be the vessel that carries the presence of God. We get the opportunity to go ahead of others and show them the way. As we follow, we lead. In every area of our lives, vocational, relational, and most importantly, spiritual, the best leaders follow well. When I stepped into ministry over a decade ago, I got the incredible opportunity to follow so many awesome leaders but one of the ones, Ryan, who just sticks out in my mind, and one of the reasons is because he was a catalytic leader. Like he was just he had charisma, and people just wanted to follow him, and everything that he did, it just felt like it was successful, and so people just wanted to be a part of it. But one of the things that I respected the most about him is that he knew when it was his opportunity to lead, and he knew when it was his opportunity to follow. That if he wasn't the expert in something that we were doing, he would step back and push them forward and say, I'm here to do what you tell me to do. And that could have been in really practical things or it was in spiritual things, whatever it may, may have been. He was so good at following well and it translated to him being an incredible leader. The truth is, is that we will be given opportunities to lead, but only when we submit to the authority of Christ. If we want to influence people towards Jesus, we have to be influenced by Jesus. So, great leaders follow well. When instructed, we will get the opportunity to lead. Verses 7 through 10 go on to say this. It says, the Lord spoke to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Heathites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. So here's the thing. There will be obstacles. There will be obstacles. We all know by this time in our lives that life is not always going to be easy. In fact, many of us have become pessimists and buy into the thought that life will just always be hard, that, that it's not going to be easy ever, and that we just need to just deal with that, and that life is going to be hard, and then you die. Like, that is what some of our mentality has kind of shifted to. The truth really lies somewhere in between, that life will be full of peaks and valleys, and a lot of the in-between. There will be really hard moments and really beautiful, easy moments, and there will be really difficult conversations that need to have and really natural, easy conversations that need to be had, everything in between. When we start talking about the promises of God, though, we can get so caught up in the promise that we forget that there actually is a process, that the peaks and the valleys of human life is a process that we get to step into, and we get to be filled with joy and expectation on the peaks and in the valleys. Life is a process, so is the possession of the promises that we have, we have been spoken over. The, those, the promises that have been spoken over our lives, those are going to be a process as well. That will include sweet, simple moments, no question, but there will also be obstacles to face. For the Israelites, this moment of excitement going to finally claim the promised land is coupled with the truth that there is a massive river to cross that we will see is in the harvest season. It is overflowing. It's a huge river. And there are also multiple nations possessing the land that has been promised to them. 
obstacles. However, Joshua speaks this beautiful truth in the very next verse. In verse 11, Joshua says this, When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly dispossess all these people when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. He goes ahead of us. Right? We are called to follow because he is willing to go ahead of us. The immediate obstacle was the Jordan River. And Joshua tells the people, the presence of the God of the Lord of the whole earth goes with you into the Jordan. He talks about the Canaanites and the Heathites and the Perizzites and the Amorites and the Jebusites, all these people. But he goes, but this is what I want you to hear first. That the presence of the Lord of the whole earth goes before you into the Jordan. So, would we understand that we have an eternal God that is willing to address immediate obstacles? Would we remember that God is not disengaged, that he wants to show up in our lives right now? It's important that we are reminded that we do not serve a God of just past miracles or future promises, but one that wants to step into our current circumstances. Let me say that again. It is important that we are reminded that we do not serve a God of just past miracles or future promises, but a God that wants to step into our current circumstances. So many of us have relegated God to the past or are so hopeful that we can only see him as accomplishing what is in the future. But for him to remove the obstacles that will inevitably pre uh, produce in our lives in the future, we have to trust that he's going to deal with the obstacles that are currently a part of our lives now. Verses 12 through 13 go on, Joshua says this, Now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in mass. So the priests got to step into the Jordan with God, with the presence of God, and be a part of the solution for the nation of Israel. That these human men got to step into a river carrying the presence of God and got to be a part of of the solution for the nation of Israel. Now these priests were really important. They had been chosen. But let us not forget 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That is Peter talking to all people, that we as followers of Jesus are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that we may proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of the dark into marvelous light. So here's the next point. We get to be a part of his solution. We get to be a part of his solution. It's important that we differentiate between being a part of a solution and being a part of his solution. See, we have a human tendency to try to solve others' problems and try to solve our own problems as well. But we need to make sure that we are submitting to the will of God in all things. Maybe our solution will line up with God's solution, but maybe it won't. You see, Joshua did not come up with the stand in the middle of the river solution by himself. He was just following God's lead. And that's what we get to do too. We get to submit our lives, submit our, our the, the, the things that we want to speak into the lives of others and say, Lord, what would you do? What would you have me do? And then we get to be a part of his solution, not come up with our own solutions. 
I'm a problem solver by nature. I like to fix things and I'm a pastor. And so I get to like sit in the tension of people's really hard and difficult moments. And I have in way too many circumstances given my solution and not submitted it to the Lord. That I would say, well, this is common sense and this is what you should do instead of stopping and actually submitting it to the Lord. Sometimes that means that we don't give an answer in the moment when somebody has a question. Sometimes that means that we have to go pray on it for days, weeks, whatever it may be. And sometimes we just need to have a posture that would be submitted to the Lord before we go into conversations and say, what do you want me to say? Please speak through me because my words will not be the best thing for them. Your words will be. We can get so caught up in what makes sense to us and forget to look to Jesus or point others to Jesus. We have to be intentional to find his word and put that above any words of our own. Verses 14 through 17 say, say this. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest seasons. It's overflowing. But as soon as the priests carried the Ark, carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in mass that extended as far as Adam, a city to a city next to Zarethan. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of the Araba, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. So here's the next point. He said he would, and he did. He said he would, and he did. What God said would happen did happen, and yet so often I find myself getting caught up in the doubt of whether or not God is going to keep his promises. See, doubt is a natural part of our lives as human beings. We often cannot comprehend the how of the promise. We hear the promise, but we just like ask that question, how, how? And that's okay, because we're not God. We're not God. We don't need to know the how. We just need to trust in the promise maker, the promise keeper. We just have to get back to a place where we have faith in his faithfulness, right? He's got us. He, he wants the best for us. When I, when I was preparing this message, I kept thinking back to last summer. We spent several um, weekends at pools trying to just get our kids more acclimated to the water. We have a four-year-old, and, and one of the things that I'd love to do is get her on the edge of the pool and get in the pool, and then she would jump to me. But the first time that we went to do that, I was in the water, and Ever was on the edge, and I was telling her to jump, but she was so nervous. She was so nervous to jump. It was like literally 18 inches from where she was to where I was. She was so nervous, and I just had to promise over and over and over again, I got you, I got you, I will catch you, I promise you. And you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't mad at her for questioning the outcome. For her to jump was a big deal. What I knew was 18 inches. What I knew was an insignificant distance to cover was absolutely massive. She might as well have been jumping off a 10-story building. I knew that I would hold up my end of the bargain. I knew that I would catch her. And eventually she jumped, and then she never stopped jumping. Then it's just over and over and over and over. See, likewise, God knows that he will hold up his end of the bargain. He just wants us to have the willingness to jump and take hold of the experience. And maybe he was calling you to jump six months ago and you feel like you missed the boat. He's still there. He's still waiting for you, arms wide open, to catch you. To take you into the promise that he has promised over your life. He's not mad. He's not frustrated. He just wants the best for you and I. I think all of us have promises out ahead of us where God is just asking us to trust that he will do what needs to be done. And I also do not believe that God is mad when we hesitate. When we jump, he will be there. 
Secondly, for those of us who experience God's faithfulness, would we not stop believing that he will do it again? You see, God had already split the Red Sea in the book of Exodus for the nation of Israel, and here he is again splitting the waters and providing dry ground for this nation to walk across. This has showed up in lots of different ways over my life over this last season. I think I just need to be reminded, and maybe you do too, that, that God wants to fulfill promises not once, not twice, but over and over and over again. So maybe you're looking for God to do something what, for what seems like the first time. Pray that he would. Be expectant that he would. And maybe God has already showed up in big ways in your life, just like he has in mine. Don't hesitate for one second to pray that he would do it again and again and again. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.